Our world is lost in unnecessary fear and hurt. Our systems seem scientifically engineered to make you small, powerless, and always waiting for the next great leader who will fix the problems around us. Worse, we're witnessing neighbor versus neighbor while warfare breaks out around our family tables. But you have access to a spirit, a strength that enlarges and empowers you. Even better, you don't need to wait for the next big movement. You can heal the world. It's time for governance by Grace. Welcome to Gracearchy with Jim Babka. Is the conservative movement a big con? That's the accusation made by one of the biggest voices in it, Stephen Crowder. Crowder's the host of Louder with Crowder, a conservative show on YouTube. He's also famous for originating the change my mind meme, which you haven't seen is crazy. Google it. You'll love it. Until recently, Crowder was on a big politically conservative network called The Blaze. But when The Blaze was sold to another company last December, it parted ways with Crowder. Crowder became a free agent and received an offer to host his show on another digital network for a proposed 50 million payout over four years. People are calling this basketball money. There's some dispute about what happened next. First, Crowder put out a video that's caused a big stir on YouTube. In it, he said that the largest players in the big con conservative political movement are beholden to and even working with big tech titans like YouTube and Facebook. They're actually trying to silence some conservative views in exchange for money and simultaneously exploiting, actually handcuffing up and coming podcasting stars with their contract offers. Crowder proposed building an alternative network that wouldn't be beholden to big tech and wouldn't exploit its workers like big con does. So Jim, why is Grace Arkey so interested in the Crowder kerfluffle? Because what we're seeing here uh, as usual violates Grace and it is the method by which we divide each other to solve problems. And I think we wanna cover several concepts here today. I think we want to uh, talk about um, how powerful YouTube is and what Crowder revealed about YouTube and its power. Um, he, he basically let something out of the bag. It's not entirely surprising. I mean, I, there's some deduction of common sense that would have led you to that. We'll talk about that. Um, how they work isn't really surprising, um, but I, I wanna make sure bill that we definitely get to the point where we talk about boycotts oh yeah um, absolutely we definitely have this to do that not graceful this is not yeah, he, yeah and then he broke with conservative principle i want to get to that too this has to do with how the free market works and contracts so i want to have a discussion about that as well and i think most importantly we need to say some things about the conflict machine uh I, in fact i think i have something new to share on that subject Definitely. And of course, I've got a question for you that you don't know yet. So at the end, <laughs> we'll get this opportunity to watch Jim do, do what he does best, which is think on his feet or on his butt, as the case may be. Yeah. So and we want to encourage people, right, that they can leave comments if they're watching right now on YouTube, if they're yeah, there YouTube, on Twitter, Twitter, if they're on Facebook. Facebook. I, I know comments. that the Facebook stream's working. I know that the YouTube stream is working. I don't know yet whether the Twitter stream is working. But uh, we've got the other three streams up and uh, the other two streams up and running. And so uh, um, for those people who are tuning in live, this is an experiment for us, right? I mean, we're doing a little yeah. bit of experimenting tonight. First time that we have done a live stream where you can comment. So if you leave a comment on Facebook, if you leave a comment on YouTube, uh, and I believe on Twitter as well, uh, we have to test this out. 
uh, we will see your comments and then we can, uh, some of them we can even respond to during the show. So uh, periodically we're going to ask you to go ahead and leave a comment with us uh, throughout this episode. Absolutely. And, all right. and we You've will set see the them stage. all. We will see them all. Okay, go yep. for it. So we've set the stage. Uh, let's. Uh, so, I, I, I the first thing that jumped out at me about this was that uh, Stephen Crowder set up something called the the website called the Big Con. Now, Big Con he meant big conservative, and he was trying to throw an implication in there that uh, that the way that the the major players are playing are, are treating talent. Uh, is a con and, and the way they're talking to their supporters is a con job. But in so doing, he may have revealed a little bit more than he wanted to, uh, to say that, that big, that, uh, big conservatism is a big con is something of an ironic label. If we had said it, it would have been mere name calling. Correct. Right. Right. But he's, he's inside the tent. So let's get into the details of the case. Shall yeah. we? There's basically three major players in the conservative ecosystem in terms of uh, broadcasting and, and studios. And they are the Blaze, PragerU, and Daily Wire. So you can think of those as like the best, the big three biggest teams. And until December, Steven Crowder was with the Blaze. That's the uh, network that uh, you could trace back to Glenn Beck. They started, but they sold the company and he was out. Um, he had to move on and be, and he has the ability to be a free agent. He's, he's very successful and large. And so he had the chance to do that. But, uh, the daily, the, he, the contract that he ends up revealing that he says he was missed, that he was, uh, exploited. It was an exploitation contract came from the daily wire. So there was, when he first did this video, there was a period of time, a couple hours where everybody was wondering, okay, which one of these entities does he actually mean? And it turned out that he meant the Daily Wire. Now, there's one other thing we have to set up here, and that is that uh, Crowder had something called a mug club. Now, this is a, a membership, a pledge, basically. You're supporting his show. And this is going to be really important as we get into this later in terms of how, this, uh, how to structure uh, a show or a radio deal. Um, but this is how he was, this was an, a significant portion of how he was funding himself because he was already demonetized on YouTube. He was not getting YouTube money. Uh, you're muted. <laughs> We're live. <laughs> We're live and I'm muted. So this is a separate, um, sort of setup, a subscription, uh, cash generating machine. Yeah, I think more going. donation than subscription. I mean, I'm sure that there okay, were premiums so yeah. that are available. I've not ex investigated how the mug club worked. I have zero desire to join. But um, and in fact, I have zero desire. It's interesting because the, the, the takes here have been so unoriginal. And one of the takes that's very, very common on the left is we're just going to sit back with our popcorn and watch. This is a very fun show. Conservatives are at each other's throats. This is great. And uh, so they're entertained by all of this. Uh, I, I'm not... I'm actually not that entertained about by all this. There's there are some things here that I think are significant culturally that we should address. But whether or not Steven Crowder gets a deal, whether or not he hurt Daily Wire's feelings, none of this stuff actually matters very much to me personally. Um, but uh, yeah, think of it as like a pledge system. People are supporting almost charitably his show. And I'm sure there were some premiums that they got as a result of that special privileges and stuff they got at various tiers. It's like a Patreon. 
Yeah, makes sense to me. I, I can see how that works. And it's going to be very important here as the conversation progresses. Right. So the last step in all of this, and this is really what he said he was all about. Uh, and that is that he wants to use the Mug Club now to set up his own network. Okay, and yeah. I think the reason he did this was because the contract, when he saw how much money he was worth, and he knows how much money it costs to run a show, I think he saw a real profit um, opportunity here. So if he can build up the Mug Club a little bit bigger, maybe he can start to be like Prager U or the Daily Wire or the Blaze. Maybe he can move up into that tier, uh, especially since the Blaze appears to kind of be moving out of that tier a little bit. Okay, so so Crowder is... He's not the top yet, but he sees a way to get there. Yeah, he's, he's talent. He's it. not a he's not a team. He's talent. And Got people, it. there's so many people don't understand about the, the the Daily Wire. The Daily Wire is trying to be counterculture Hollywood. So they have set up a whole operation in Florida, on the opposite side from California. Right, that's not an accident. In Ron DeSantis territory, we could do half a show just on the DeSantis angle of this thing, the Trump DeSantis angle because there is a Trump to see in single. Uh, there, there have been maneuverings going on where, where guys like Dave Rubin and uh, Ben Shapiro, who is the top personality at the Daily Wire, these a lot of these people have begun relocating to Florida, and they've very much aligned themselves. They've been maneuvering and positioning themselves with Ron DeSantis for the last couple of years. Uh, ever since Donald Trump lost, they've been kind of positioned. And maybe even before that, I don't know how far back this goes, but it's been very obvious since Donald Trump's loss that this was the direction that they had gone. So there's political stuff happening here. I doubt, although he hasn't expressly said so, that Steven Crowder is in the Trump camp. But that's all a deviation from the stuff I want to talk about here today. Yeah, because it's just it's really trivia. About, it's, it's not the politics of the thing. It's how it all came down that matters. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the contracts. I mean, a contract is a thing. You can have that. And I've heard, so I listened to part of the Tim cast today. I've heard them refer to it as a contract. I've heard them refer to it as a term sheet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So different... that's a, the difference between a term sheet and a contract is that a contract is all the fine print details that you go over with your lawyer. It's the ins and outs of how various things are going to be handled and settled. The term sheet is the actual offer, right? Here's what we're going to pay you. Here's what we expect in return for that pay. It's the very basics. It's, it's like an outline upon which the, the contract will be written. And it's designed okay. to simplify and present those terms. So and, you I, know, the first cons go ahead. I was going to say, uh, as a self-employed individual, uh, Mr. Crowder is making a deal to take his show to the highest bidder, basically. And uh, I would have called that more like an agreement, but maybe a contract is the right thing. But it's definitely not employment, right? Well, it is actually. Is it? So the reason that you go to work at an employer is so that you can get a consistent paycheck. You're not going to get all the profit. You have to share that with the pro with the employer if you agree to go there. What you get in return is security. So uh, there's we have we have a risk factor, and the reason we have the term entrepreneur is we recognize that the entrepreneur is taking on risk, and uh, in return for that risk, they can earn profit, and they want the deal to go very very well. So they agree to guarantee or pay a certain amount to the uh, to the person who's working for them. They may agree to pay some bonuses or commissions based on certain performance metrics. And, uh, but they're, they're, those are, you know, very well defined in the term sheet. If the deal goes spectacularly well, then first off, the first thing that's going to happen is that the company is going to get greater profit because the contract is what the contract is. You accepted an employment offer. If the deal goes poorly, 
there's an expectation. I'm involved in a situation right now. I'm, I'm, I'm tangential uh, related to a situation right now where we um, release, uh, somebody was released from employment, but they had a contract that even though uh, uh, some things went wrong in their performance, the, the company, the outfit still needs to pay. And it's a substantial uh, strain on them uh, at their given size at the moment, but they still have to pay it. So they have absorbed that risk and took that on. And that's what employers do. So you agree when you're an employee that you're going to share the value. So you have a choice about signing a contract. You could choose to stay self-employed, and that is definitely an option. And it appears to be at the moment the option that Steven Crowder is going to go for. Yeah, that wasn't too clear to me when you know, just listening to these conversations. There's a bunch of guys just jawboning about it. It wasn't exactly yeah. clear that he that Steven Crowder is going to become an employee of this, you know, this basketball money offer or stay a subcontractor or a self-employed contractor for the money. But this is yeah, all tied so up in something else because of the YouTube strikes, right? The, 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 uh, the potential. Yeah, well, we got, I, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I want to get to that, but I want to make sure we wrap up everything we have to say about the contract here. Um, someone has to take the cut. So this is, this is going to be very difficult to explain, but I want to make sure it's clear because this is something that, that Crowder, even on the Tim cast last night, he, he's, he goes on Tim Pohl's show. They had a fantastic ratings for that show. They, their live streaming ratings were, they reported, self-reported were the second highest that they had, uh, had ever been. And there was something that was consistently glossed over. So if you have, let's say you have a, a business contract that has you doing four things for your employer. And just to keep the math simple, let's say that each one of those four things has 25% of the value to your income and to the employer. Now, what I need you to understand is that if you were getting paid $100,000, let's say, for the work that you're doing, your employer has an expectation of being of making somewhere between, depending on the line of work, uh, $130,000 and $200,000 a year, and maybe even more, depending on what kind of capital investment they have to make on their end. But there is an expectation of profit. So let's say that these four things involve working in four phases of a building. And in one of those phases, you know, capital investment's been made and everything else, you burn down, you, the employee, burn down that section. Now, if it's if if it's an, if it's something that could be anticipated that you would be, you know, that negligent and and it's in a contract in advance, which is essentially what they've done is anticipate that this guy is going to burn down one quarter of his income, or in this case, 20% of their potential profit center revenue. Then they said, listen, we can't pay you that. So I want to make this point incredibly, incredibly, incredibly clear. Steven Crowder was expecting, counting on the maximum amount that they could give him, including the amount of money that they could have made from YouTube streaming or any other streaming. So if there had been a streaming revenue pile coming through the door and it had been millions of dollars, and he wasn't getting any cut of that. There was no way he was going to want to leave that money on the table. But Makes perfect well, sense. Right. But you live by the sword, you die by the sword, right? That money isn't going to come in anymore. And the, the Daily Wire, we learned a lot about the Daily Wire's business model. We're going to get into this in a few minutes. The Daily Wire's business model is based on being a mainstream, a competitor to the mainstream media Literally, they are trying to be Hollywood, uh, conservative Hollywood, counterculture Hollywood. That's what they're trying to do. So they want to be on all the mainstream platforms. They want to be mainstream as all get out. 
I, let's can we just go down rabbit trail on Daily Wire for just a second? Because this this is all really fascinating to me. Yeah, please. Okay. There was an article that came out. I didn't remember this until today. Like we were started talking about doing, you know, having this show on Sunday afternoon, but this didn't come to me until this afternoon. There was an article in Mother Jones in I'm going to say uh, late 2021. Um, and it recounted the fact that they were trying to make the case that social media bias was equal and probably favored the conservatives a bit. So the Mother Jones is a left publication. And they were trying to say, well, we have all kinds of examples of where they're, they're soft pedaling and they're not really cracking down. They're doing a few things here and there. They had a couple examples to point to on the left that I don't remember anymore. But they were trying to make the extraordinary claim, and it is extraordinary because it's, it's just not, uh, regardless of whether you get a dog in this fight, it is definitely the case that big tech has been on the side of the political left, straight down the line, and that they have made okay. decisions. Hard to argue we now with know that. Through, the, through the Twitter files, right. We now know because of the Twitter files. It's this, you were accused of being a kook for saying this before, but the Twitter files have pretty much revealed that there actually was a pay to play in this whole thing. And, and our government was actually making phone calls to the social media piece. And now uh, uh, Robbie Suave has now released something on Facebook doing the same thing. So, I mean, we have some evidence that this is, we now actually have real evidence that this has been going on before it was all circumstantial and cumulative. But Mother Jones was trying to argue the opposite in this column which I no longer remember who wrote it or when exactly it was, but they're trying to argue the opposite. And they were saying, they were saying that uh, the conservatives were being sought, being treated. And the example, and this just hit me today, the example that they spoke of was the Daily Wire. Ben Shapiro and the other broadcasts they put out were not getting censored. So one of the things that was revealed during the Tim cast last night, or at least Stephen Crowder alleges, but I have zero trouble believing it because I had heard this very same type of thing in the Mother Jones piece, was that there was a relationship between YouTube and the Daily Wire. Daily Wire is big enough that they're, you know that these social media titans, these big tech companies are going to take notice of the amount of revenue that's coming through there, and they're going to want to help. And so he was saying that the specific type of help that a show like mine, the show that like yours, a show like anybody that might be listening and has their own show, you aren't going to get this kind of advantage. There's you, there's people you can talk to in YouTube. Uh, there's people you can talk to in, in, in Facebook where you can navigate some of this stuff. They're like, Hey, you know, maybe you don't want to go with that title, right? We have these rules. We're going to probably have to give you a strike. If you go with that, you probably don't want to have that guest. And so their business model is to be mainstream and, and, and Crowder's trying to make it about something else. He's trying to make it about, uh, his mug club, right? Cause he's offering, sure. making a different yeah. value offer. Yeah. And, and, and so we'll get into how he's doing that, what his value offer and what their value offers. I want to get into the, to, to how they structure their business in a minute, but let's, let's go, let's come back on the, on the trail and wrap up this contract thing. He, was saying explicitly, in fact, he used the word slavery at one point, extraordinarily. Yes. That he was being yes. exploited by this contract. Yes. Okay. Now people mocked and made fun and said, oh, the contract's for 50 million or whatever. You know, it's it's as if, and I'll borrow an analogy that he used because I, I think it's actually a very good one. It's like saying that, you know, the a Marvel movie takes, you know, $250 million to make and that, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. got the whole thing, Right. That's not how that works. There's lots of expenses in putting on the show and the way they structure it. Every one of the videos that they're making, for example, when they make a pre-recorded comedy skit or whatever, that's a twenty to fifty thousand dollar proposition every time they do something like that. So 
uh, there, there's staff, there's 25, 30 people working for him. Um, there's lawyers, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that go into, uh, making the show. So, and it was over four years. So we're not, uh, while it's a lot of money and I would love to have his contract, it's not, it's still a business. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, not going into his like pocket. Yeah. He's not Scrooge McDuck, McDuck, you know, jumping into a bunch of, uh, gold quarters, right. Or taking basketball money as they like to say. So yeah, it wasn't that at all. Wasn't that um, at all. But he, here was a guy that wanted to have his cake and eat it too. He wanted all of the YouTube revenue if Daily Wire was making it, but he doesn't want that coming off the contract if he does something to send that money uh, sailing. Okay. So we got to talk about how that would come off of how that, that YouTube revenue would not come to him because there are obvious well, ways. Uh, they said but... they actually installed a penalty. And this is the, his claim that he's making is a hyper precise claim that he did not reveal clearly in his 25 minute presentation. And that claim is that he's essentially going to get per- penalized 110% if that money goes down. Now, the way it's written in the contract, it's 20% of his total revenue. But he said the uh, revenue stream is actually a little less than that. It's a little less than 20% that comes off of YouTube. If I'm understanding correctly, and he would get charged more. And I want to go back to the analogy we use. If you blew up one quarter of your company, if you blew up one quarter of the business, uh, now it's the case that both you and your boss are not making any money anymore. And your boss is still paying you. Like, I'm telling you, people do not understand when you go to work for a job and you get paid $30 an hour or $15 an hour or $45 an hour, whatever it is, the what you bring to the employer is you plus value. And that value is profit and your employer is providing, you know, a whole host of things or services to, to attach that. If there's no profit in it, there's no point in them doing it. They're going to go put their money elsewhere. Um, they can put their money in, in a savings account and do better than uh, pay you a hundred percent of what it is they get. That's not how business works. They took on the risk and you signed up for it. But can we just do close this point up and make the following really striking remark? And that is that this dude claims to be a conservative, he which always was something about free markets. And these people believe, I mean, in the core of their being, that if somebody takes on a job or agrees to do some work, you know, for $15 an hour, right? You're not exploited because you took the job. You agreed yeah, to go into it. You agreed. Nobody, and I, I do this somewhat ironically because the guy holsters a gun while he's on his show. Nobody was pointing a gun to his head and saying, you have to sign this contract. This was not a Luca Brasi moment, right? So there's no way that he was getting exploited. He could simply do a really, really tiny thing. He could say, no, no, I'm not doing it. He can go out on his own. And that's why people do go out on their own because they say, I don't like the terms. I think I can do better by myself. And he didn't, uh, he didn't do that. He instead turned around and attacked them for their business model. And this is being done, I think, mostly to expand his mug club. That's the con. But uh, there's probably some element of this here where he wants to expose how the conservative movement works. And he has said as much. Um, I think he believes that they all should have the same goals that he has, but their business model is just simply different. So it's not really about the politics. It's about a disagreement over the way that you do business. It might be about the politics. I really, you know, Bill, 
I really would like to know whether or not he is a Donald Trump guy. I, I suspect he is. And if, if that's the case, then, you know, if the Daily Wire is backing, if the Daily Wire is backing Trump's number one opponent, and they are, they are, 100%, they are, okay? If they, they can't say they're doing that because of laws, but the personalities and the people that work there are connected and tied to DeSantis. There's a relationship there and they are trying to promote him. The reason you know so much about DeSantis, the reason we all know so much about DeSantis probably has more to do with the Daily Wire than anybody else. They've elevated his profile. And um, and they're the biggest player in the conservative movement right now. Everybody talks about Fox News. Daily Wire is probably right there, if not higher. It really is a power player right now. It's a huge, huge, huge corporation right now. And it's getting bigger all the time. They've got movie studios. I mean, they're doing stuff. They're expanding who they're doing. They just signed uh, Peterson. Uh, he's on. He's going to be streamed through them now. So, so they're sort yeah. of consolidating their broadcast base and making sure that it is mainstream, that anybody who's on the fringe, which could be Crowder, uh, is, is quietly on the fringe. Yeah, they were making than... him an offer to mainstream a little bit in return for, for money. And yeah. my guess is he, you know, there was some rumor that he countered. He's denying it, but uh, he probably would have signed that contract for a bit more money. He probably would have signed that contract for some guarantees. Even with the, even with the threat of YouTube yanking some revenue. No, 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 no. I think he was, he has said emphatically that that was the thing that killed the deal. So what he wanted was the 50 million regardless. Okay. So he wanted, and I think he, he would have signed for that. He wanted the wire to really take do. all the risk. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, because it's about your mug club, right? This is what I would do if it's my mug club, but he does his mug club for himself. You yeah. see? Yeah. Two separate, two separate revenue streams that have nothing really right. to do with each other, except that he's the, where they both point. Right. So we're sitting here, we started a podcast. We're not really taking any money to speak of. Okay. Um, we're riding this, running this on, on some bare bones here at the start. I, I you know, I hope this grows into something. I, I don't see any problem with getting $50 million for your show. I don't. And I, and in fact, I could explain to you some of the math to it. And after you start to understand the math and how much it costs to do everything, it doesn't seem all that out of hand. Okay. It's good. He's making, he's going to make a darn good living off of it. And as a capitalist, I believe, Hey, you know, go with God, more power to you. But because that, and so that's kind of interesting that there's this class envy thing that was thrown out that he's just greedy. Well, he's supposed to be greedy. That's part of the conservative playbook, right? Why is greed suddenly not a virtue? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. When the Daily Wire came back and attacked him, you know, he's just trying to negotiate. Well, okay. So he's just trying to negotiate. I mean, I, I don't actually think that's what he's doing, but if it were, so what? And, you know, he's saying I'm been treated like a slave, you know? I mean, what is, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's got like a chain on his leg or something and he's got to work in the fields all day. I mean, he's, you know, poor him, right? But he's not. He's chose to, he had a choice on whether or not to sign a contract. This was an explicit derivation, a hypocritical derivation. There's so many other arguments that are undermined in a day-to-day -day basis by his assertion here that his $50 million was somehow or other taking advantage of him, that he was being exploited. It's absurd. And it's completely not big con. Right. End of the day, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to have the money. But don't you have to show up and actually earn it? You do have to show up and actually earn it. And right. that was the business model that they're playing under. He can play under a different model. So right. 
let's get let's get into that. Let's talk about because because one of the things that I thought was really interesting here is by holding up the contract, he revealed something incredibly important. Right. He this told lots of people who don't know how the media works, who may have had a hunch, and uh, there was a lot of reasons to have this hunch that if we boycott, if we go after them, if we get them strikes, if we use our big tech, if big tech uses its control and uh, the public uses boycott control, that we can take these guys down and it really hurts them. And they really get upset about it. They get so upset. They even start fighting with each other. And this is, this is what I, I want to call this the realities of monetization. It's a tale as old as time. We've heard the stories of the, of the, the struggling black artists or any artist, any musician who has come into the business, maybe didn't have adequate representation. They got took advantage of by management or by a big recording corporation or whatever. And they got royalties stolen and all the rest of it. This is a tale as old as time. Okay. He's holding up a contract and he's saying, he's essentially saying he's a conservative I mean, he's not even conservative because I, I I don't even know what that means anymore. He's a right wing uh, agitator who is advancing various right wing talking points. But suddenly he becomes very woke and he sit, and he sits there and says, you know, the man is coming. I, I'm, I'm just I'm amazed, honestly, that he hasn't used uttered the phrase the man. He already said he was a slave. I'm right, afraid right. He said, the man has come to get me. But this is a tale as old as time. I, I have some experience to speak from here. So I have been working in a realm for the past two decades where I am reliant on people providing nonprofit uh, support. They donate to the cause. And from uh, 2001 to 2018, uh, 90% of my income, 95 in some years, came as a result of fundraising efforts I did on projects. And um, in the, the projects I managed, we repeatedly, I, there was hardly a year that went by where we didn't do something that really stepped on our own ability to make money, where we said, you know what? There's a principle at stake here and not everybody's going to like what we have to say and we're going to do it. And the people hated that. Like, you know, there were people that like really responded badly to that and you did it anyway. And he keeps talking about himself in these tones that he's a very, very principled guy. He's definitely trying to put himself in this. He's talking about, I wants to bring up all these people behind him and so forth. I, I, I don't know. What is the proof that that's what his real values are? I don't know. You could say that all day, but what is the proof? It sounds good, but what's the, where's the evidence? Um, so you make you 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 have to if you're going to do this line of work you have to make a decision about who you're going to be and that who you're going to be has to take precedence over the money it has to you have to stay true to yourself and if it means a pay cut at times great it may actually mean that you make more money in the long run but that's usually not the case there's a reason the daily wire is playing the game it's playing there's a reason why fox news is playing the game the way it's playing it right there's certain things that are mainstream that they can go do uh, they know what the exact edge of of approved opinion is and where they can talk what they can talk about. And we we wonder all the time why this story or that story, or the other story isn't getting covered. It's because it's too hot for these large for-profit corporations to handle. There are other reasons, but that's the number one. And they were, you know, offering him a seat at, at their table. 
And part of their game was you're going to be mainstream here and you're going to be able to stay on YouTube. That's part of the deal. And if you can't do that, this is how we make our money. You got, you, you got to, you have to take a big pay cut. It's a real big so pay cut. If, if we're going to challenge anything here, are we going to challenge Crowder for ditching his principles or at least ditching some of them? I, I think he has an unreasonable expectation that, that the Daily Wire should have done two things. They should have absorbed all of his risk and paid him anyway. And uh, he wouldn't have said a word about it if they did that. We wouldn't know a thing about this. Yeah, none of this would have happened. And two, um, he is trying to set up his own mug club. He's claiming that he is going to follow a different set of principles. There is only one way to tell, but I'd be willing to wager that three years from now, three years from now, three years from today, there will not be a large stable of talent with deals widely divergent from what they are now. Now, it'd be very hard to figure out how to structure this deal precisely so I could make it a real bet, but I just would be very surprised it's going to happen. Now, it's interesting because there's so many different ways you could fund your show, and I think this method he's chosen, you could, the Daily Wire is trying to be as wide as possible. They're, they're trying to build their profitability by just massive audience size and, and being in the mainstream. Okay. And so that tends to lend itself very well to an advertising model. You do on air reads, you have sponsorship. YouTube monetization is also based on their ad revenue and different things, streams of revenue that Google gets that comes in as a result of people using coming to see your show. So everybody's getting a piece of an advertising or sponsorship type of pie, right? Yeah. yeah. You can go out and you can raise money nonprofit. You can actually have people subscribe, they can be paid subscribers. I, I watch a show, I favor a show. I really like Sagar and Jetty and the way he presents himself and the issues that he and Crystal Ball cover, the way they present the news on a show called Breaking Points. And I, I, I watched quite, I, I watched Breaking Points. They have a subscription model and their subscription model takes into account that they're doing the news and they made a decision in advance that there were going to be news stories they were going to cover that were not, especially they were, they made their move and started their show during COVID. So they knew full well that there were certain things that were off limits. For example, it can be talked about now, but there was uh, the Wuhan lab was not discussable. Whether or not there was a natural or an, uh, a man-made origin to the pandemic was not allowed to be discussed. And in fact, me just bringing it up here just now would have gotten us a strike a year ago, year yep. a little more, year and change yep. uh, on, on YouTube. It's closing out in two years now. I think actually this got revealed in late 20 in spring of 21. But it took time for this thing to turn around. Initially, it would have gotten you banned 100 percent from Twitter, and it would have gotten you a strike here at uh at YouTube. And three strikes, just like the game, you're out, right? And so uh they took in that, into account that this is what was going to happen. And they said, you know what, we're not going to rely on the vagaries of whether or not we get the YouTube money. They're going to get the YouTube money. They they have a subscription model for their whole show, but they put segments up of their show on YouTube and they take the monetization off those segments. Now they have segments that get demonetized or get turned down, but they take overall, they're accepting YouTube money. You with me so far? Yeah, yeah, this makes sense. But they don't spend it. They put it off the side in a lockbox, so to speak, for capital use. They use it to make large one-time purchases, whether it's production equipment, whether it's... Uh, uh, a special event they want to put on, whether it's an enhancement to their, maybe they want to do more advertising, whatever. 
but they don't do any of their normal business operating expenses out of it. They wanted to be able to assure the people that came to work for them in their show that they would always be paid on time and they would be paid their full salary. And they didn't want that dependent on the fact that they would have to gulp, not say something they were thinking or not say something that they had researched and done their homework on and reported as news. They wanted to keep their commitment to their viewers. And so they consequently said, we're not going to allow YouTube to hold us in this kind of jeopardy. And if YouTube takes away all the money, we will still be here in business. Will we have to do a few less things? Yes, but we won't not pay anybody. We won't not do a show and we won't stop reporting the news. Very reasonable position to me. Sounds great. Yeah. Yep. It's solid. Yep. And it, it keeps, keeps them able to say whatever they want without having big tech, big tech come along and uh, yank their paycheck. Right. And having subscribers also uh, protects you because advertising dollars can be under threat of boycott. Sure. Yeah. And you might have to take ads that on principle you wouldn't take unless you were trying to pay the bills. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, so, a, it's, a, it's a great example of the free market at work. And, and I think, by the way, that this is very sound thinking that we, if we really want a free press, we're going to have to pay for it. We, the consumers, <laughs> are going to have to pay for it. You right? heard it here, people. A free press yep. is going to cost you. Yep. Are, are we then making the, uh, maybe not the explicit first time, but the claim that a paid subscriber base on YouTube can unearth and report news that the mainstream media will not touch is significant to me. Yes. And YouTube, are... by the way, has pulled back a little bit because they got competition from Rumble. So yes. markets solve problems. It's funny because, you know, what we're going to do about YouTube, what we're going to do about Twitter, what we're going to do about Facebook. Well, <laughs> Facebook is in severe decline. This is two years ago. I had someone say, this is so, we're so desperate. It's always going to be like, we, we got to do something now. The, the problem exists now. Well, you, you, Facebook is in severe decline. Twitter got taken over by another billionaire who has opened up the doors and uh, YouTube found competition. Rumble is starting to become a player. It's good. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's good so, for everybody. Yes. Except this boycott, for the mainstream media. This boycott question is not a small thing, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Let's go there. I may have talked about this on another episode before. You may have heard me talk about this. I don't know. I don't remember for sure where this would have come up before, but I have a very unique take. So there, our show is sponsored by the Zero Aggression Project, zeroaggressionproject.org. And that's the uh, the page that we're on now on YouTube. This is the very first broadcast that we are doing on the Zero Aggression page. Uh, previous to this episode tonight, we were on the AHO radio network and we will still be uploading our shows there for the, the near foreseeable future. But we want, and we've gotten a few hundred subscribers to come over there since as a result of this show. But we are now asking or inviting everyone to come to and ring the bell right here on the Zero Aggression Project YouTube page. If you happen to be watching this show on YouTube, if you're not, if you're, you know, wherever you're at, subscribe. Uh, that's the key thing. Um, and most importantly, we give out information about what we're doing, what we're planning, when, you know, when we're going to be on live. And the, the very first people to find that out are the people who are subscribers to the Zero Aggression Project newsletter, which you can sign up for at zeroaggressionproject.org. But we definitely would like to boost tonight. 
uh, with a few new subscribers, our subscription base at the Zero Restaurant Project. So, you know, click that so that the bell will ring. You will get notifications every time a new show is up. Um, and we are on uh, several other podcasting platforms and services too. And if you're listening on one of those, I'm grateful to you. Please also subscribe there. Make sure you've registered so that you're getting notified every time we have a new episode. Now, the Zero Aggression Project bill is based on the Zero Aggression Principle, which says that you shouldn't aggress against anyone. You shouldn't initiate force or use excessive, initiate violence or use excessive force to get what you want, politically or socially or politically. And we shouldn't delegate that power to other people to do it either. Uh, that's what we do in politics. And I can't help thinking that boycotts are an initiation of force. Now, here's what I mean. Let's say that you are mad at the major stockholder or the founder of a given company that employs hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people, and you say, I'm not going to go there anymore. Well, that's fine. As a consumer, we all make that choice on everything every day, and you could choose any reason that you want not to go somewhere else. But when you drag other people into it and you get them organized and upset at the company so that they will not go there as well. I'm not talking about standard word of mouth about the quality of the service that you receive. I'm talking about you disagree with the social values of one person that works there. Your actions, if they're successful, will hurt most the people at the bottoms of the rungs, the very bottom of the, of the corporate ladder, the people that probably served yep. you your food, for example. Uh, on the on the left, I can think about Chick-fil-A, which makes a, a good product, serves it incredibly fast, right? And and uh, and they always say, my pleasure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if you could find some way to harm that company through a boycott, it's not the family that owned it or founded it that's going to have the problem. They'll still eat. They'll still have their houses. They'll still have their cars. They'll still have their vacations. They'll still have their clothes. They'll still have their life. They'll still buy nice gifts for each other. Everything will be fine. Okay. Yeah. They'll have a little less, but they're not going to, their lifestyle is not going to change one iota because of what you did. But a lot of innocent people are going to get caught, caught in the crossfire. Yeah. Now the, the, the hourly workers are going to feel the, feel the pinch if it hits Chick-fil-A in the revenue stream. Yes. So I think it's a violation of the zero aggression principle. And I think it's ungracious. I don't think it's the right way to change things. We have not, uh, I, I defy people to show me where shame is really the best way to change people's minds. It doesn't yeah, seem it doesn't to be particularly affected. Effective. Well, you're a parent, you know how well it works with kids. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm suggesting that it, it's not really a graceful solution. It's not preventable. However, we can't make it not the law. Yeah. What is stunning to me is what is the fact that basically he held up, Crowder held up a sheet and said, you know, this is how you make us fight with each other. This is what we really care about. In fact, we all, I, I don't care about money. Maybe other people do. I don't care about money this much, but you know, this is, this is, this is hurting us. We, we can't have this. And he basically said it was almost an invitation to come boycott us. I actually think the level of boycotts that will happen to the conservative movement will intensify going forward. There, there are, I can't think if I'm a direct, I've, I've written tons of direct copy over the years. If I'm working for one of these left-wing organizations, that's fodder. Like even Steven Crowder admits, right, that this tactic works. You know, we organize boycott. I mean, I just, I think he's made things infinitely worse. And so the the, the area becomes um, less hostile, which draws us to the big point of the show, which is? Yes. Which is, what's the grace point? 
Well, I want to talk about how the do we deal with machine. it? Well, and that's yeah, and and that's where it comes into play because what he's what Crowder's advocating is more conflict to solve the problem. More conflict, <laughs> and and I can't help what? noticing Daily Wire's business model and Crowder's business model are identical in They're one important respect. Okay, they are instruments of the conflict machine. They are designed to get you agitated about something, worked up, lathered about something. They were pricking fear uh, frequently. Uh, and and they are uh, mocking and ridiculing, and this is the this is the area in which they're working. They're creating division. They are the conflict machine. I want to make sure we got a clear definition out there. Is a better name for what we have in our country for uh, so making social decisions than um, politics. Politics is limp. It's lame, and in fact, some people even imbue it with some degree of virtue. The truth of the matter is that the the goal of of both parties and the members of them. The goal of the media that supports this entire thing is to draw you into a contest that is an argument, that is a debate, that is not just about the facts. In fact, the facts are the things that matter the least. It's about who's up and it's about who's down. And the goal at the end of the day, what the conflict machine has to produce is a loser. Somebody has to lose. That's how the game's played. Someone has to lose. It's not win-win like all the market things we've been talking about here today. Someone has to lose. It's not win-win like you doing an act of charity and feeling the sense of warmth and goodness that you just assisted another human being and then being lifted up by it. No, no, no. This is about dividing you, right? I'm going to take your money and I'll go give the money to him. And now you and I have a fight because I just stole your money and I gave it to the guy. Oh, look how virtuous I am because I did. That's exactly what politicians are doing. And these guys are trying to exacerbate, make that situation worse on a daily basis. They come on and they do their shows. And that's the whole point of the show is to create conflict. The Daily Wire uh, has working for them a guy named Matt Walsh. He's one of their biggest personalities there. Matt Walsh is out right now trying to uh, uh, scapegoat uh, trans people. Now, you can say whatever you want and your values can be whatever you want. And maybe you don't agree with the trans lifestyle. Fine. No one asked you to join it. Um, but he's trying to do this and he's doing it in a very specific methodical way that's designed to create and help exacerbate, not heal, but widen cultural division. And <laughs> so I want to say the strongest thing I think I have ever said about the conflict machine right here and now. And that is if the, you invite terrorists into the village to live with you, because you say, you know what, we have to fight the other the village, the, the the terrorists from the other villages. So we have to fight fire with fire. So we're going to have our own terrorists inside. We're going to have our own people who do uh, bad things and who are willing to kind of roll up their sleeves and do the dirty work, you know, kind of uh, play the game so that we can win too. So that we have a better chance of, we can't be naive. They'll say we have to, we have to play the game the way it's being played. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times over the years I've been told, Jim, you're such an idealist, but this is the reality. Okay. Well, this is the this is how they pretend reality works. They're going to fight fire with fire. They're going to invite the terrorist into the village, and guess what? Sooner or later, the terrorist is going to terrorize your village. There's going to be one. Like maybe ten of them will be noble and they're really patriotic, and they're always going to do the right thing on the outside of the village. They're always going to go out with their attacks. But someday, someday, it comes home to roost, and one of them gets mad, and they know how to do the fight, and it turns inward, and it comes in. And it burns the house that they're in. You don't fight fire with fire, Bill. When the fire department comes and they pull up in front of a burning house, do they get torches out and start to add the heat? Exactly. 
They yeah. fight fire with water. They look for peace. He's created a civil war because the dude was a professional terrorist and he's attacking another group of terrorists. And yes, the left is saying, well, for once, the terrorists are attacking each other, but they're all terrorists right and left. That's what they are. That's what sells. And how naive can we be in a nation of individuals where we obviously can see that having a loser isn't good for all of us? I don't understand yep. this you know, at all. Somebody's got to lose, and that's the best thing for everybody? No. Somebody lo who loses, it's the worst thing for them, and, and by extension, their side, which is largely just a, a fantastic you know, assumption by the media. Because Why do you what hate I America, to, Bill? You know, Why do you hate America? Yeah, exactly. That's where it goes. And, and yet, 330 million of us, probably only like 300 million of us don't hate each other. The other 30 million are in politics or some other uh, conflict-based uh, income stream where they can't afford to not hate somebody. <laughs> right. <laughs> Makes I, no sense. We have tried to carve out something. You want a grace point? We have tried to carve out a show here where we're not going to do that. And we have tried to also, as part of this, we've had to say, we've had to almost inoculate, vaccinate, begin to describe what it is that happens, how the media and the method of, of talking uh, to us makes things more toxic, makes things worse, expands division and disharmony, uh, makes grace less likely. But grace is that moment where you come in and you say, I don't agree with you, or I don't like what you just did. I'm bothered by it, actually. But instead of judging you, instead of uh, punishing you, instead of trying to find some way to get even with you, I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask you a question. What's your deal? What motivated you? What made you tick? Uh, can we maybe get more to a root level and figure out what we need to do here? Maybe I didn't understand something, right? I'm going to be open-hearted enough to say maybe I didn't get something. That's what grace is. And that's what's needed. And I will tell you that's not what's being practiced by either the Daily Wire or Steven Crowder or any of the popcorn-eating lefties that are watching the show. So I've got a question for you. I okay. promised I would, and here it is. <laughs> We're speaking to an audience that largely may not even know or really understand what's happening here at this microcosm level of the infighting in conservative media right now and the influence of big tech over that. But this is an objective lesson for our audience. And what I'd like to challenge you to do is to make the connection between how we as individuals who are for the most part spiritual but done with church can take this objective lesson of what's happening with louder with crowder and bring it home in a way that lets us become more graceful the lesson we can learn what is that let me first be a tiny bit self-serving I really do want people to subscribe and I do want them to follow this show because we're going to, and on a case by case basis, we're going to be breaking things down and explaining them. And some of those things are going to be large philosophical or theological points, uh, stuff that if you're a believer, you'll benefit from. And if you're not, you can, you probably know somebody in your life who is, and you can help move them in a more voluntarious direction. Um, grace is, is, is the key idea. And we have grace archy, we basically mean governance by grace. Conversely now, now that I've made my self-serving point, I would like our show to grow directly 
at the expense of all of these other shows. I, I can't advise that you tune in to watch Steven Crowder or the Daily Wire or any of the popcorn eating lefties that are saying, you know, we're, they're enjoying the, the, the fight. The conflict machine is bad for us. It's bad for you emotionally and personally. Uh, it's going to cause anxiety and fear. And then it's going to begin to sever relationships that you have in your life. And that's going to close you off from new experiences and learning things. People are different. Uh, not everyone's like you. And you're going to lose out on some of those opportunities. And um, I, I just, this does not seem like a way it's, it, th that we can flourish, uh, whether it's financially or whether it is socially in a community, it seems like a way to increase division and disharmony. And that doesn't sound Christian to me. So we talked about the zero aggression principle. I kind of consider it a silver rule, but a golden rule goes more in a grace word direction. It's where we start to look at other people and recognize their innate humanity, their similarity to us, the similarity that they all want to be happy. They're all trying to pursue happiness somehow. And that we all have to do that on our own. We can't have that done for us. Virtue can't be mandated. I, I mean, I'm literally both sides have this wrong. They both want to inculcate virtue using force. And so what I want to say is that it is important for us to recognize and create venues, channels, where we can start to understand each other. And we don't need these tools. We don't need the state. We don't need violence. We don't need name calling. We don't need any of these things to get by. In fact, we don't even really consider them good entertainment anymore. The very first time I met you, Bill, we did an interview. And one of the ideas I talked about in that interview was a media fast. You remember? Oh, yeah. And the idea of a media fast is that if you turn off these channels, if you let them go away, and by the way, I don't want people, my show's too young. Don't, don't fast me yet. Okay. Yeah. Keep <laughs> us on for a while. We won't annoy we'll you. notice you're missing, <laughs> but when we get a little bigger, go ahead and fast us as well. And I'm serious when I, you know, all kidding aside, fast us as well. And let's see what we are when we come, when you come back. But if you go away from the terrorist media, the conflict machine media, if you go away from that approach, and don't pay attention to it for a period of like, I don't know, three, four weeks. It will change how you look at it when you come back. And the longer you go, the better. You will not, you'll start to wonder why you enjoyed this. There are certain things in life that you have to, to do enough to acquire a taste for them. And this kind of media is definitely that, that one of those things. And if you leave it uh, behind, what you will start to replace it with is stuff that is more fulfilling to you and happiness it definitely will not be stuff that's as, that is as diminishing in harmony as this material is. The regime media is toxic. And, and so I'm not sitting back eating popcorn. I wanted to stop in the middle of this kerfuffle because I don't care about the actual conflict itself. I care much more about the lessons that can be drawn from it. How can we do a principled show? Well, I will tell you our business model is not going to be the models you heard today. That's going to develop over time. We're going to take our time developing it because we got other things to do. It's not our full-time thing yet. But 
Uh, we're going to take time to, to build that. And it's not going to be like anything we discussed here today. It's going to be different. And we already have a sense of what that, where we're going. Uh, but it's going to be done in a way that we can be principled down the whole path. It'll have to be that way. My spirituality, my soul requires it. Yeah, it's it's an unwritten a contract <laughs> that we yeah. have. It doesn't involve money. It involves something much bigger. Yeah. The meaning how's that? Have... I mean, I kind of meandered all over the place, but how's that? I gave you like five different answers there. No, I think that's good. Somebody okay. out there is going to resonate for one of the five or more, and that's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you'd like to say directly to, if you ever listens to this, Stephen Crowder as we close? Yes. Come on my show. Reach out to me. You can find me at the Zero Aggression Project. And here's why. I want to I want to explain to you why your conservatism is hurting the country, why your brand of conservatism is hurting the country. And I won't do it in a way that any liberals ever done. You, in fact, you'll have a hard time knowing what's coming. You're going to have to watch a lot of hours of this show before you'll even begin to have the clue. Um, so, so come on. Uh, come on my show. And if you are who you say you are, you're a man of real character and principle, then you'll be impacted by what happens here. But if you're playing a game, if you're running a big, big mug con, then it, I don't expect you to take me up on the offer and I don't expect you to be changed by it if you did. <laughs>